You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. Last week, we, um, we started a season focused on practicing the presence of God in the mundane, everyday practices of life. There is a monk in France. Um, who lived over 300 years ago, uh, named Brother Lawrence, who discovered this profound truth about having a relationship with God, that experiencing God's presence can happen everywhere. Brother Lawrence learned that God is with him in all that he does, and he learned to practice the presence of God through every thought, every action, every moment. His whole life was a life of prayer. And of course, living this way takes a lifetime of working it out. So talking about this idea for a couple weeks is just scratching the surface. But I hope that you might hear something from God that's helpful to you as you are working out how to live and breathe the presence of God. I want to start by reading this story that Jesus told about a friend in need. This story takes place at midnight, and you are not <coughs> sleeping. You are thinking about somebody else, one of your friends, and what they need. You're compelled to provide for them, to help, to offer hospitality, but you don't have what they need. So you're coming up empty, and you're losing sleep. Can somebody read this out loud for us? (coughs) Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Thank you, Robbie. That was Luke 11, verses 5 through 13. So we're going to talk about this story more in a minute. But first, let's just talk about what happens for us at night. There's a lot of research about um, out there about Americans and sleeplessness. Most of us don't get enough. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I bet we've all lost sleep from anxiety about how we're gonna respond to the problems that we face or that our friends face. We all know the kind of urgency that wells up when we realize that we don't have what we need. At the point where sleep should come and our conscious day is about to end, these anxieties and worries and unresolved issues often come up. When our bodies are slowing down, and the outside world is quieting, these kinds of things tend to surface. 
Sometimes memories come out of seemingly nowhere. Thoughts about what has happened or not happened swirl around. In the empty space before sleep, there's actually a lot of room for things that have been pushed to the back burner. And when that stuff comes, it often keeps us from sleep. I read a quote that sums up this up really well. Um, Toni Morrison in her novel Jazz wrote, most people want to crash into sleep, get knocked into it with a fist of fatigue to avoid a night of noisy silence. I bet some of us can relate to that. Lingering in the can't fall asleep zone is rough. Netflix and Facebook, for example, provide countless ways to crash into sleep and to avoid the noisy silence of our interior life. And now that there are so many mobile devices uh, that make it easy to ward off the noisy silence or to fill it up. My kids the other night were begging me to watch funny cat videos with them. They are seven and 10. And I kind of begrudgingly said yes, even though I know better, I totally got sucked into. There I was watching video after video, laughing at these ridiculous cats. And of course, this extended bedtime, because we lost track of how much time had passed. I don't really know how many hours of cat videos are on the internet, <laughs> but I was amazed that over and over again, of all the options, the kids kept saying, no, no, not that one. We saw that one already. Or, yeah, yeah, that one's really funny. I'm like, how many of these have you seen? <laughs> ah, the number of hours wasted. Here are a couple cute cat pictures for you. <laughs> yeah, right? See, I'm not the only sucker for this. <laughs> So cat videos may not be your thing, um, but the fact that you can get anything to come to you through your phone means that it is really easy to get sucked up into the next thing and the next thing. And did you know that you can buy a universal adjustable neck mount for your phone so that you can lounge and watch without getting a tired arm. For real. There it is. We didn't know already. It's $10.99 at Walmart. Now, there, there may be legit situations that this product is useful for and needed. But for most of us, making it easy to spend extended time watching our phones while lounging in bed is probably just not a good idea. I'll stop distracting you guys. I was talking to a friend this week um, who often wakes in the middle of the night, and she said that rather than stay in bed, she gets up and goes somewhere else to work or to read until she's sleepy again. She reserves her bed for sleep. Screen time in bed messes with our brain and our body rhythms. And I'm gonna argue that there's a spiritual dimension to this too. 
because there's no division between our physical selves and our spiritual selves. Right. We are whole beings. Mm -hmm. So what we do in our bodies is spiritual. Yes. In her book, um, Liturgy of the Ordinary, Tish Harrison Warren confesses that her own disordered sleep revealed a disordered love of idols of entertainment and productivity. <coughs> Those were her two main reasons that she did not sleep enough. Her point is that our sleep habits both reveal and shape what we love. So what we do with that time in our beds before we sleep is an opportunity. Rather than fill the space with more stimuli, it can be an opportunity to practice the presence of God. Regardless of how falling asleep is for you, it is something we all experience. It happens every day, hopefully. And whether it takes hours or moments, that space, that transition, can be an opportunity to be with God in a way that can help us relate to all the other transitions that we face in life. That may sound grandiose, but remember we're talking about how to develop an ability to be with God and to know God with us in these seemingly mundane moments of life. And when we can do that, the more we can practice each moment as prayer, instead of overriding it with constant stimuli, the more we can build a foundation to help us face bigger transitions when they come. So here's my main point. I think we need to reclaim our beds as a place of stillness, not only when we're sleeping, but when we fall asleep and right when we wake up. Stillness of the mind and heart and body is a great place to practice the presence of God, even when it feels hard. There is stuff in our interior life that we can easily ignore if we just crash into sleep or stimulate ourselves until we can hardly keep our eyes open. So preparing for sleep and lying in bed is an opportunity to relate to ourselves and to God, and to pay attention and to listen. We can set that time apart to let God be with us in all that comes up. We can face it because we are with God and God is with us. As our bodies release control and we surrender to sleep, we can be reminded of our inability to control all that goes on in the world in our lives. And that is a great space to pray, to ask for what we need. Which leads me back to Jesus' story. In Luke 11, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He was praying himself when the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw him in this practice, in this practice with God that sustained him. Jesus tended to his life with God. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus was retreating to be alone, to pray, away from the crowds, 
away from the ever-present needs pressing in on him, away from the noise, to be still and to pray. We don't know what all came up for him when he prayed, but I think that scripture gives us enough to know that Jesus relates to every aspect of our human experience. While he was fully God, he was also fully man, and he prayed. In my cell this week, when we gathered at Leslie's house around her dining room table, we were talking about this and we were comforted by it. We actually spent some time writing about a situation or relationship or experience in our lives where we don't know where God is. And then people were invited to talk about it. And the theme that most of the room, for, for most of the room, as people started sharing, was about difficult relationships with family members. As we shared, our conversation illuminated this idea of God being in it means that it will get better and be resolved, which often doesn't happen the way that we long for. We actually got to the truth that Jesus knows what it is like to suffer betrayal, to be misunderstood and unknown by those closest to him. God is in these messy relationships with us, in our deepest places of hurt. God's presence with us is what transforms us in these relationships, even if the other person doesn't change the way we think we need them to. The more we look to Jesus to meet our deepest longings, who often provides in unexpected ways through the life of the body, the more we get freed up to forgive, to have healthy boundaries, and to break out of patterns. So the disciples were asking Jesus, how do we pray? He gives them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. But he doesn't just give them the words or the mechanics for prayer. He's trying to teach them how to do it. So he tells this story. I'm going to put it up here for us again. I think the point of this story is that we can ask God for what we need without shame. There's no barrier between us and God now that Jesus has bridged the separation between us. Like the friend who comes at midnight, we can ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. There's no situation in which God is unavailable to us or reluctant to get out of bed and help us. Not that God gets out of bed. But. <laughs> the point is that if a friend will get out of bed for a shameless request from a neighbor, how much more will God respond to us? When we try to practice being with God in the everyday moments, we are a lot like the friend who knocks at midnight. The original Greek in this passage is basically shameless audacity. This is the quality for which Jesus commends this friend who is knocking at the door. 
our habit of practicing prayer in all things, tuning into God's presence with us in all things, takes some shameless audacity. Does God care about this little thing? Where is God in this incredibly messed up situation? I think it's necessary to overcome any feelings of shame we may feel in naming our experiences with God. Or the shame that we feel when we doubt that God will respond to us in our need. Or maybe the shame we feel when we're in our beds and feeling overwhelmed and sleepless with worry and anxiety again. How am I struggling here? How am I still struggling here? I thought I was over this. Will I, why am I still feeling hurt? Shouldn't I have moved on from now? I'm a mess, I can't do anything about this person's need. Shame can really dampen our ability to pray. But practicing the presence of God in those moments is asking Jesus for what we need, seeking after Jesus in every moment, knocking at doors that we usually keep shut. Maybe you could see your thoughts as like hundreds of friends knocking on the door at midnight, clamoring for what they need. You could judge them for their inappropriateness. They're they're shameful for whatever reason you assign them. Or you could see God opening the door to each and every one of them, no matter how small or petty or faithless or whatever. God opens the door to them and the warmth and light of God illuminates them. Imagine all the thoughts that come to you as you lie in bed or any other moment that you find your mind wandering into that region of of emptiness or loneliness or interior noise, whatever it is for you. The stillness of a screenless, crashless bed is dark enough for the light to shine. You can let God's light shine on each one of those thoughts if you let them come and go without judgment. Don't judge the thoughts themselves or the feelings that come with them. Rather than staying in your own house with all the reasons that one might not go disrupt someone else at midnight, Jesus is saying, God will receive you. I mentioned that this practice, this discipline around going to sleep can be like bookends for the day when you first wake up to when you go to sleep. The crashing that is often the alternative lends itself to staying up late and letting other graphic images fill our brains through whatever video or media we're consuming. Um, It could even just be the news, what's going on in our world. Another police shooting of an unarmed black man a massive devastation of a hurricane, or violence for entertainment's sake. There's a lot of bad stuff bouncing around in our heads. Now, I'm not suggesting that we ignore that, but each of them is a great reason to stay distracted right up to the moment of unconsciousness. What if we go to bed? What if we go with Jesus? 
What if we notice all that has come up in us because of all of those things? Jesus is going to be there with you. If we ask for peace, will he give it? If we ask for sleep when that stillness doesn't seem to come, will he give it? I can say yes with confidence, but I'm not exactly sure that yes will manifest itself soon. How soon? Or in what way? Answers to our prayers are not always the outcome that we're looking for. But God does answer. I want to end by sharing a portion of the book on prayer. It's by Seraphim Aldea of the Mole Monastery of All Catholic Saints in Scotland. Aldea is an Orthodox Christian, and his writings on prayer helped me through a major transition in my life. I was introduced to him through the Circle of Hope Daily Prayer um, on, on one of our blogs. The writer was using excerpts from Aldea's book, and this excerpt helped me through a season of major transition, when sleep was hard to come by, when anxiety and worry, feelings of inadequacy and shame were all swirling up. He offers encouragement for prayer at night in a way that helped me, helped my racing thoughts be still. I'm going to read this to you. It's kind of a lengthy excerpt. Feel free to close your eyes and just listen if that's helpful to you. Before I end these brief notes, I want to share with you a small treasure, a small piece of advice which you are free to take or leave as your heart tells you to. I offer it with love and I pray you benefit from it a hundredfold. Pray by night. Pray alone. Pray using no book, no image, no thought. Just stay awake for 10 minutes after you wake up to have a glass of water, or after your child or a nightmare wakes you. Stand there in the dark and make no move or sound. Make time stand still. Capture that moment and bring it before Christ as your humble offering. This is who I am. This is who you must save. In fact, it may be useful to forget that you need to pray. Most of us have such terribly deformed ideas about what prayer is that it's better to simply forget that you're meant to pray. Just stand there and look into the darkness outside your window. Other times, make a prostration and even close your eyes while you're on the floor and stay there, wait there. Keep your body in a state of tension, but your mind empty. Say nothing, think nothing, imagine nothing. Do not pray, do not move. Just wait for his presence. Wait for him to notice your silence, your stillness, your death. Wait for Christ and he will come because love forces him. This is the advantage of praying at night. Night is a shield against thoughts, against images and feelings. Try to be present in that moment. Try to be aware of the silence that surrounds you. 
Let the void of all of that darkness embrace you. Let it enter you and fill you with peace and silence. There's something almost sacramental in this hidden silence and stillness before Christ. This darkness, this solitude, this instinctive awareness of one's morality, they all force one to open up in ways that would be impossible by daytime. Be aware that you are awake before Christ while the world lies asleep, defenseless, and vulnerable. You are awake before Christ, fighting for the world. You have become an intercessor for this fallen, sleeping world, which is one with you and for which Christ has died. Ten minutes alone with Christ, night after night, will change your life. When you wake up, you face the worries of the new day. There is something in you that rejoices. You and Christ share a secret. You and Christ share a fight. Your soul knows that it has been fed. And it also knows that whatever happens during the day, the night will always return with its silence and stillness. You will live through the day waiting for the night. Because when night falls, you will again bring yourself as an offering before your creator. And your creator will feed you once more. We can experience our anxiety and ask God to give us peace. We can experience our gnawing mistake and let it go. We can ask God to forgive us. We can experience those memories as sweet and bitter dreams that they may become and wonder with God what their presence in our stillness might mean. When we feel empty or alone in the dark, we can go to Jesus over and over again, for we are not alone. He is with us, and his presence makes us safe. When the scary stuff comes, we can face it with Jesus in prayer. So be in that transition between awake and asleep on purpose. And ask God for what you need. Listen to what God might say in the silence. Be persistent in knocking. The door is open to you. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.